0: Now, I I saw something uh, this morning that I just couldn't help but steal and make it my own. We have a saying in our home, if you lick the cookie, it's yours. If there's a plate of cookies and you lick one of those cookies, nobody else is going to lick it. It's yours cookie now. Eat it. Enjoy it, right? Now, the emphasis of the new covenant, ironically, is not on the difficulty or the danger of approaching God. You don't find that in the new covenant. You do in the old. But you don't in the new. In fact, the new covenant emphasizes our freedom in Christ to come boldly before him according to the grace we now have by faith in Jesus. It encourages bold, confident relationship with God as father. That's the new covenant. Jesus at the table at the last supper, when he held up the cup, he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Yes. Now, you can repeat that in a traditional mindset during communion, and it means nothing. But if you understand anything at all about the new covenant, you understand the weight of the words of Jesus when he said, this is the blood of the new Of my new covenant. What he's saying is, this is your gateway to eternal relationship with the Father as a kingdom citizen, son or daughter of the living God. Yes. Forever settled it will be when my blood is spilled. You believe. New covenant. New Covenant. I love that. But I'm not reading scriptures from the New Covenant right now. I want us to go back into 1 Samuel, if you will, with me this morning. And let's just read some excerpts out of chapter 30 of Samuel, beginning in verse 1. And then we're going we're to just basically delve into this and then pull out some nuggets from the Holy Spirit, if you will. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says in verse 1, Now it happened... When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men Came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreelitis, the Jezreelitis, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, priest uh, Ahimelech's son, "Please, "Please bring the ephod here to me." And Abiathar uh, brought the Ephah to David, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and uh, the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where they stayed Where those stayed who were left behind, but David pursued, he and 400 men, so 200 men stayed behind at the brook, because they were so weary, it says in verse 10, that they could not cross the Bezor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water, and they gave him a piece of cake, of figs, and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the the Cherethites and the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by your God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down there, they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day and not a man not not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled so david recovered all that the amalekites had carried away and david rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking either small or great sons or daughters spoil or anything which they had taken from them david recovered all and then david took all the flocks and the herds they had driven before those other livestock and said this is david's spoil you think you've had a bad day here is the man that samuel anointed with oil as king of israel when he was young he was a sheep keeper for his father jesse he was picked out chosen by god from among his brethren who seemed in the natural to be more suited to occupy the throne than David seemed in the natural. But nevertheless, God looks upon the heart, right? And so here is this anointed young man who went and served Saul, defeated a giant that had scared Israel's armies, right? Brought victory in an amazing way. Went out to battle leading the armies for Saul so Saul could hang back and be safe. And that lasted until the crowds began to shout, Saul had killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And then Saul and his arrogance had been rejected as king, if you remember. Why was Saul rejected? Because he didn't heed the words of the prophet who told him, you wait until I come before you do anything. And I will bring an offering before the Lord and give you direction. And Saul acted on his own, based on what he had seen somebody else do, and made an offering to the Lord. And as he was doing it, Samuel showed up and said, What is this you're doing? You remember that story? Now, there wouldn't have been a problem if Saul had had a relationship with God like David did. I think if you read the life of David, you'll find that David was able to do things that no other king got to do. Interestingly, David actually did some of the functions of a priest, which was not supposed to happen under the law. Interesting, isn't it? But do you think you've had a bad day? Here's the guy anointed king. He's on the run for his life because Saul in his jealousy wants him dead. And he's told his son Jonathan, he said, if that guy lives, you'll never inherit the throne. In other words, he's got to die. We got to get rid of the competition. So David... He's on the run for his life. All his men with him are on their run for their lives because the entire army of Israel, if they find them, they're going to kill them under the command of Saul. And so what has David done? He's gone down to Philistine, to King Achish, and he's feigned madness. David's tired of riding, 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 and doing all this stuff. So he goes down to King Achish. He he goes to the gates. He's feigning madness. He's slobbering on his beard. And it works. They say, this amazing warrior has lost his mind. It's gotten to him. He's safe now. So David now has permission to come and go in Philistia. He He can do it because they don't see him as a threat. And so Achish thinks, well, I'll take this crazy guy and I'll send him out to pockets of Israel and have him fight and do my, my killing for me. And so David goes out like he's fighting for Achish, but what is he doing the whole time? He's going to Philistine cities in the, in the far reaches and he's slaughtering everybody so there's nobody to report back to Achish what he's doing. And he comes back saying, we were victorious. And Achish is just over the the moon, elated, that he has this incredible warrior now on his side. And after time, Achish starts to think, I could defeat Israel now. And so he sets up for battle against Saul and Israel. Of course, if you know the story, Saul consulted a medium and summoned the spirit of Samuel and got a bad report. (laughs) And Achish comes with David and all his men to where their camp to, to set up and the Philistine army leaders say we do not want David and his men in this battle. Now David's pretending this entire time that he's going to fight Israel. Do you believe David would have fought Israel? No. But he's pretending. Because he's having a bad time, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the leaders of the armies of the Philistines say to Achish, this guy, when he and his men get on that battlefield, they're going to turn. And you remember what they said of him in Israel. Saul had slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. If he goes on that battlefield and turns, we've lost. Send him home. We, are, we don't want to fight alongside him. So Achish heeds their counsel and sends David and his men back the long trek to Ziklag. And while they're here pretending, their wives and children are being taken and their houses are being burned. You think you've had a bad day? Verse 4, I remind you, says, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. These are warrior men. Hardened by battle. Strong men. Weeping till they can weep no more. That's a bad day. But you know what? Sometimes a bad day can get worse. I'll remind you of verse 6. David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself, and the Lord is God. You can't know you have faith until you've been in a good fight. I mean the kind of fight you don't see a way out. You don't see a way up. When it hits you at the first you're bewildered by it. Shocked maybe even appalled. But notice something. In verse 7, well, first, let me just say this. Have you ever noticed how as human beings, when things go wrong, we need something or somebody to blame? (laughs) Can you imagine what these men were thinking Maybe even saying to each other before they got to the stoning part. In my imagination, here's what I, I think they might have been saying. You know, if we had not been off with David pretending uh, that you know that, that, that we're in alignment with Akish, who's really our enemy to start with, none of this would have happened. We would have been here at Ziklog. And none of this could have taken place because we could have fought and won. But we were off pretending with David. You know, I've noticed sometimes in Christianity, sometimes when people get into the pretend mode, they have a propensity to say it's the leader's fault. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. If the leader was doing what he ought to be doing, I wouldn't be having to pretend. Think about that for a second. As if the leader is responsible for your relationship with God. But this is where they were, and they were so distressed, so grieved, they were prepared to stone David. But look at what it said in verse seven. Let's read it again. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. Now the way this is supposed to work is he's supposed to ask the priest or a prophet to consult with the Lord and then speak to him as the leader what the Lord says. That's the way it works under the law. But see, David isn't functioning full-on under the law here even though that's what he's under david sees something prophetically that others cannot see he sees remember the scripture says david was a man after god's own heart now here's how the works church interprets that statement The works church interprets David had a heart after God this way. See, David wanted to just please the Lord. David just wanted to please the Lord. But what it really does mean when it says David had a heart after God is that David was in tune with the heart of God. Mm -hmm. And as a result, his own heart had tuned itself to it. And the reason David can say to the priest... Bring me the ephod. Has he seen that part of the heart of God that is a father? Yeah. Yeah. It's a new covenant view. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. In an old testament era. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. David sees that in the heart of God is desire for relationship. Come on. Not form. Not program, not empty statements, not hollow, shallow practices, but relationship. If you would, turn to Galatians 3, 10 through 14 with me. And I want to just show you something that's very important for us as New Covenant believers. See, much of of the modern day church would teach you that if you misbehave, you come under a curse. But that's not what Scripture teaches us. When you come to Galatians 3, verses 10 through 14, listen to what it says there. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. Mm -hmm. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But I love verse 11. Mm -hmm. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. If you're wrestling with the idea that a person can be justified by faith in the eyes of God, you can't get plainer in what it's saying here. It's saying no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. Is evident. Why? For the just shall live by faith. It's not by faith and. Come on. Amen. It's not by faith plus. No. It's by faith. Yet the law, and here's the kicker. The law is not of faith. Amen. If you want to go back under the law, you're saying, I don't like the faith walk. I want something that I think I can list up and down, put check boxes on and, and mark it off each day of my life and feel either successful or a failure and, and see where it goes from there. But that's not faith. That's self. That's flesh. The law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. It really should say shall have to live by them. And and the, and the tone of it is a tone of impossibility. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This is what makes the cross significant. The thing that makes the cross significant is not Jesus died, why can't you? Jesus gave it all, why can't you? That's why he gave it all, you can't. Amen. That's the point. Yes. Yes. Verse 14, yes, that the blessing of Abraham, not a curse, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So
1: good.
0: Through faith. Now, these 600 men that were with David, many of these men were not Israelites, they were not Jewish at all. They were Gentile. They Gentile, yeah. Who had come to David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in fact, I would say to you that, that the idea is that chapter 30 of 1 Samuel is really like a prophetic messianic picture a messianic picture of the garden. And Christ. At his greatest moment of despair, where did Christ run? To the Father. To the Father. And at the cross, it only appeared that the enemy had won. But we know he didn't because Christ arose. He rose from the dead, right? Amen. Now... Pick up in verse 16. I want to show you something. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. (laughs) You may be at a place right now in your experience of life where you feel like you're looking down the camp of the enemy and he's got all your stuff. (laughs) He's taking hold of everything that's important to you. See, I need this. Because I got two sons I'm believing for. Amen. Amen. Wow.
1: And we're going to win.
0: Amen. 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 I got family members and friends I'm believing for. Yes. Yes. And we're going to win. Yes. Yes. See, it might seem as though your enemy is dancing, rejoicing over a victory. Yes. But with God, things can change quickly. Yes. Amen. Amen. There's a saying in Pilgrim's Progress, when the question is asked, when, will this, when shall this be? It's always longer than you wish, but sooner than you think. might be longer than you wish, because you would like it instantaneously in this very moment right, right now. Yep. But when it doesn't happen instantaneously in this moment right now, where does our, our humanities tend to want to take us? When will it ever happen? Yes. So, so <laughs> it's longer than you wish, but it's sooner than you probably think. That's good. Right? Man, he's faithful. Verse 17 reveals to us something. It says, Then David attacked them from twilight till evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. Camels. That's fast. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would assume they were headed to the desert hoping they had a, a, a beast, a burden that could outlast anything that came after. Now, I want you to think of this. If Saul had done the will of God prior to this and destroyed Amalek, this wouldn't happen. This wouldn't happen. But you can live your your life on what ifs. Right. And if I just. If I had. Why didn't I? Or you can live your life on, I'm going to run to the Father and find out what his wisdom is in this right now moment of my life. Because no matter how bad I might have blown it, no matter how bad I might have missed it, no matter matter what this failure looks like, if it looks like failure, if it's not, it doesn't make no difference. Father knows what's needed. He knows best, right? See, you can move from defeat to victory in no time. Because look what David did in verse 18. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking. Either small or great. Sons or daughters. spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Right? Thank you, Lord. And then David took all the flocks and herds. They had driven before those other livestock and said this is David's spoil. Man, this sounds like a country song sung backwards. David got his wife back, his kids back, his goods back. Come on. In country music, you lose all that. In the new covenant, you gain it, right? But I want you to understand something. If David had not walked in relationship and strengthened himself in the Lord, he would have likely missed a prophetic destiny on his life. Yeah. I'm going to give you a little snippet here in a minute that will prove this. But, but, but let's just think about this relationship thing because when you think of how David had the confidence, the boldness, the huspah, if you'll let me use that word, to, to say to Abiathar, bring me the ephod. Yeah. 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 that I might inquire of, the, that I might inquire yes. of the Lord. Yes. See, that's new covenant thinking. Yes. Even much of the prophetic ministry today is patterned after the old covenant thinking. Right. Right. The purpose of the prophetic ministry is not to give you all your direction you need in life today. You can go to the Father and get all that that you need. Yes. Yes. The purpose of the prophetic ministry in the New Covenant is to encourage you in the gospel yes. Yes. so that you understand you have a relationship with the Father that can't be broken and you need to always confidently and boldly come before Him. Yes. Yes. Learn to relate to Him as your Father. Yes. Amen. That's New Covenant truth. But see, people want old covenant prophet. Oh. Somebody will show up just to the right just in the nicotine, tell them everything they need to do. Because they're still self-reliant. If you tell me what I need, they're Israel at the base of Mount Sinai. Oh Lord, tell me what to do, and I will do it. <laughs> and then if he tells you what to do, you want to alter the game plan. Well, can't I like. <clears throat> Do I have to do it that way? Couldn't I just cut some corners here or there and make this a little bit more convenient? Uh, And could we time this a little better? You know? Because see, if you hear it through a person only, they might have missed it ever so slightly. And now you can tweak it. But if you went before the Lord yourself, And you heard it from Father yourself. You don't get to tweak it. But listen, here's the kicker. He's not putting on you more than you can bear anyway. Amen, brother. There it is. There it is. He's not going to give you something. He's not going to give you the grace and empower you by the Holy Spirit to do. Whatever he's going to give to you, you're going to have everything that is necessary to do it. And not only will you have all the resources necessary to do it at the right time they're needed, you will have the confidence and the courage born in your heart and your spirit by the Holy Spirit to rise up in the moment. But when people don't understand relationship and that the bridge has been made, that everything's been set in place eternally forever through Jesus Christ, and they're all still self-focused, Right. Come on. They're scared of what they may hear. They see God as somebody who's dangerous. Yes. Yes. To come near. Come on. All you need to know if you're still thinking more old covenant minded than you are new covenant. That your works performance minded rather than resting in Christ is when things are going awry, you're and and, and and you know you feel like and probably even know it's your own fault, right? Obviously. And you're thinking I can't approach God with this. I did this, because you know. man. He is just going to rebuke my socks off. You, know. <laughs> you ever notice kids that think that their parents are hard? You ever notice that in families where kids think their parents are hard, their sin goes underground? It becomes hidden. But in a family where the parents are are, are thought to be loving, and on your side even when you blow it, it's the easiest thing to come and say, I've blown it again and I don't know how to fix this one. Yes. Can you help me? Own up to it. And the parents are like, absolutely we can help you. Yes. When my son got the first girl of one of our grandchildren pregnant, she came to us. And then our son came. Mm-hmm. And when we asked him, why why did it take you so long to come? He said, Because I thought that you would only have bad things to say to me. Where did you get that from? Right. I've told you over and over again if you kill somebody, you're still my son. I love you, but I won't condone your action. Right. But you're my son. That's right. And I love you. We've never not loved you. Right. But see, when people have a wrong concept of God to start with, and, and just and they're in their own selfish rebellious attitude of thought self oriented in all that they do their perception is is that when people mess up they ought to get something for it yeah. and so right thinking people would want to give it to them pow right in the kisser right, right. that's not how the father is Christ has already borne your judgment He already took the wrath of God upon himself at the cross so that you don't have to sit under that. So that you can come in with boldness and confidence before a throne of grace and find mercy to help you in your time of need. So you don't have to wallow in the the awareness of all your failures and let your failures identify you. But instead you can be identified by the Father according to the working of his mighty power which works in you. New covenant. Yes. Yes. New covenant. Amen. Listen to what happened. Akish, while Ziklag is on fire, Akish fought against Israel and won. And Saul and Jonathan both died. All that was taking place. While David was working through his problems at Ziklag. Amen. And by walking in relationship, David did more than recapture what he lost. He set himself up to answer the prophetic call and anointing of God to be king over Israel. Yep. Yes. Yeah. See, what you have to understand about the new covenant is that in grace... Problems are opportunities to give evidence of the favor of God. Even your mishandling of a problem is an opportunity to give evidence Amen. of the favor of God. My youngest son has taken advantage of many people. And when I talk to some people that have experienced his antics sometimes, they said, I don't understand it. I can't help but like him. (laughs) He took advantage of me, but I still like him. Mm -hmm. And I still find myself wanting to help him. Now, my youngest son is closer to realizing some of this stuff than my older boy is. Because he'll say, "Dad, I know the Lord. I'm just not ready to go where I believe I'm supposed to go in it. But I know I, 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 know I belong to Him, and I pray. But I still do the things that I do. And I say, son, I pray too that you'll wise up one day." That the Lord will arrest that heart of yours in an uncompromising way and make you a statement of the effective work of grace. See, when you live surrendered to the fact Jesus did it all Hmm. and we're now sons through him, we can run to the Father and get help to win every single time. Being a little bit vulnerable as a leader, because some people think that if you've got adult kids who have found a way to mess up, maybe you shouldn't be a leader, but... <laughs> That's what <followed> you. <laughs> That's what you. But if everything from my life was absolutely perfect and pristine, you'd feel intimidated. <laughs> some of you feel intimidated even though I'm as messed up as I am. <laughs> Are you having a bad day? Are you having a bad season? Does it seem like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong? Listen to me. This does not define you. And God is not trying to get even with you over something. You have an enemy who's working against you and just life in general, we live in a fallen world. Jesus promised, he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You know what he's saying? You're going to have some problems. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, if you come to me, I'm going to erase every single inconvenient problem you might ever have in life from that day forward. He never made that promise. What he did say it's, you're going to have trouble. Yes. But I'll be with you in it. Amen. 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 And then for the guys who suffered the most trouble, such as Paul, for instance, as an apostle, beaten with stripes three times, yeah. left for dead, shipwrecked, snake bitten. <laughs> Betrayed, stoned, imprisoned, imprisoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is able to say, these light afflictions. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Really? <laughs> he would go on to say, you. you are more than an overcomer. Yes. Mm. Handsome, more than a conqueror through Christ. And if that's not enough for you, let me just finish with this. When you were still a sinner, separated from God, Jesus loved you and gave himself for you. That's what the Bible teaches. He loved you and he gave himself for you. Why? So that you could, through him, by faith, know the Father. What was John 17 prayer? Father, that they may know you and they may know our unity yeah, right. and experience it for themselves. Right. Thank you. <laughs> yes. The unity God wants you to experience is unity with Him. First and foremost, you get unity with God, you'll have unity. But you can't get something that's divinely oriented without being divinely connected. Right. Yeah. It starts there. And it works its way out here. That's how things function in the kingdom of God. You have to see by the Spirit first and take ownership of it if you're going to walk in it in the practical, natural, everyday life you're living. You need to see it first from the Father. That's why it's so important to have that relationship and be going to the Father. Can we pray?